This is Chatting Human Design, the place to be to hear how real people use human design in their everyday life. I'm so excited to have you. Hey everybody, it's Chatting Human Design again. I've been back fairly consistently. This is going to be like the third episode in a row-ish besides the holiday. That doesn't count. You, The holiday doesn't count, people. You know that. You're not going to listen anyway, so... Um, we skipped holiday and now we're back and I'm here with Anna, pronounced Anna, 5-1, manifesting generator, emotional authority. I think I checked all the boxes, right? Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah. 5-1, emotional, manifesting, generator. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it really, it is a mouthful one. But when I was writing it down, I was like, ooh, ooh, because like, like I said, I never get a 5-1 and MGs are... I don't really get a lot of them either. And as soon as you came on and started talking, I'm like, yep, your your energy is like very, I recognize it as, it, it feels like a lot of the manifestation generators I've met in real life. Mm-hmm. Anytime I speak to an MG, they doesn't always, it doesn't feel the same, but there's like this, this energy of multi, I don't know how to say it. Like it's, it's hard to, to like, I just can feel you you being all like you're everywhere, but it feels very much like I don't have to be everywhere because you're everywhere. Yes. Yes. That's what I tell people a lot when they're like, oh my God, how do you know so much? That's so intimidating. I'm like, because it's my job to. It's not you're a you're a four six. It's not your job to know all the things. It's your job to just ask me. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want that responsibility. So when you when that at first when I first would meet manifesting generators, I was like, whoa, I can't hold all I can't carry all these balls. This is this is crazy. And then I was like, hey, you don't have you don't have to do it. Mental yeah. projector. You let them do it. And now then it feels very safe because you feel very responsible. Like your energy feels very much like I got I know. I know what this is. I got it. Yeah. You don't need to help me. <laughs> Yeah. It, it it's helped me actually to I've physically learned how to juggle, like actually juggle many years ago and That's pretty I, cool. Yeah, it's not easy, but Mm-mm. it it's there's this you get into a flow state and when you get into that flow state, all of a sudden it's like not you're not worrying about catching the next one. It's just emotion. Yeah. Like muscle memory. Yeah, so, I had to learn it for a play I was in when I was like 13 years old and I got these videos aging myself there from my high school to learn how to juggle and I I kind of got it but it's really hard and when you're a kid it's like I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I got I got a couple of the I could do get a couple of times and then it was over with cuz it is very hard but yeah. The videos were very straightforward, and I didn't know anything about human design at this time, obviously. I was a kid. Um, and I think that's part of what it was, is they were, like, very straightforward. This step to this step, this step to this step. And I don't really go that way. And so I was like, this is so hard. And when they would move to the next step, I'm like, how did you do it so fast? <laughs> In this video, they're teaching you. It's not like they magically learned it, but it would frustrate me and I'm like no we can't go yet to that step I'm not there so when I learned I was I was in my 20s my early 20s still hadn't still not human design whatever um 
I was out in California and a friend who was working the same job I was just she was into juggling and she's like I want someone else to juggle with me here let me teach you and she just taught me how to do it and we filled like balloons with rice uh-huh you like put you like cut the cut the the end off of the balloon fill one with rice and then wrap another one mm-hmm. around it you get these cool little balloons yeah. of rice to like play with throw around throw at each other the the thing that really uh, made it for me when she was teaching me was she said stand facing a wall like close to a wall so that if you throw it too far it like you can't throw it too far or else it hits yeah. the wall so yeah. like that was that was a huge thing that made a breakthrough for me I thought that was cool <laughs> well now we know how you found juggling how did you find how did you find human design or how did it find you <laughs> Well, this is a great way to talk about the five line because um, so human design found me after I had uh, just gone through yet again, another crazy situation where I thought everything was fine and I did not do anything wrong. And I got uh, unceremoniously ejected from a program I was in. I was blamed for doing something that I absolutely did not do. And no matter what, no matter how I tried to explain it or like, you know, make them see, you know, which is a bid for control. You can't make anybody see something they don't want to. But I was trying to like make them understand how like, no, 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 that's not what is happening here. And they just, they were just, they had decided that I was the bad guy and there was nothing I could do to change it. And so I, you know, I tried and then I walked away and I was like, okay. So uh, a friend of mine who was in the same program who witnessed this moment mm-hmm. <laughs> along with several other people who were all dumbfounded, had no idea what was happening. Um, she reached out to me afterwards and she said, hey, uh, saw what happened. That's kind of crazy. And I would like to share this thing with you called human design because I think it might help you without even knowing what my chart was. Mm -hmm. You know, she just knew that like this would help. So it was near my birthday and I said, sure. And she's like, I'll do, I'll give you a reading for your birthday. I was like, perfect. So she came over to my house um, and brought, you know, charts and things. And we sat in my backyard for three hours and she told me about the five line I think first Mm -hmm. she was like first I want to explain what just happened to you in a way that might actually make sense and you don't have to hold on to it like there's something wrong with you it's not personal here's what happened that just you're the fifth line oh my god it just made so much sense it it made me feel better but also made me feel like oh my god how do I stop this from happening yeah like because what do I do now (laughs) this is something I have experienced like I'm the black sheep in my family I get blamed for like I have a brother who's in prison and I've gotten all like my whole life I've gotten punished whenever he gets in trouble (laughs) like it's messed up obviously it's not me (laughs) yeah um that just like yeah blame is like a big thing I have the 10 too I have the 2010 and the 1034 and the 2034 you know I have all the integration channels that oh, yeah, that you do that 10 um you know is very vulnerable mm-hmm. you know and um 
yeah, blame is one of those things that oof, it's a theme and I'm trying to trying to overcome that. But yeah, so she told me about the fifth line. She told me about being emotional and the, the emotional weight. That also explained a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And <clears throat> excuse me. And and about being a manifesting generator and being into lots of things and um you know, forgiving myself for giving up on things after a little bit and, you know, just all the things. Like, those were the three main big things that after that initial reading, I I asked her, I was like, okay, so what book should I get? <laughs> she, Your first line is like, da, da, da. <laughs> my first line was like, this is freaking awesome. Well, because also I had already been on a spiritual path before mm-hmm. that. I had mm-hmm. already been, I mean, when I was in college, I studied a lot of different philosophies, you know, from Buddhism and Hinduism and Zoroastrianism and just like all these different um, kind of like religious philo- philosophical um, uh, thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're open you're open to it oh yeah i got wide open ajna wide open head you know well my ajna has you know one or one gate defined but um right yeah 11 yeah my my head is completely open so i was already versed in like a lot of the like philosophies of taoism and buddhism and all of that stuff and then in 2019 you know Late 2018, I had had a huge identity shift slash crisis slash dark night of the soul that on the other side of that period, uh, I had decided I wanted to get into Reiki. I'd had a few experiences getting, receiving Reiki from some people. And I mentioned it to my uh, boyfriend at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, he's now my husband. And I, I asked him, I was like, I told him about it and that I was interested in doing it. And he asked more about it what was it and asked if he could do it with me and I said oh heck yes so um, <laughs> we got our levels one and two together and then I, so cool. I practiced for a year and um set goals for myself before getting the master and then I got master and then I attuned him so like we're like super connected that way so I'd already been studying chakras and energy modalities and polarity and all these different cool modalities I have you know I've had a lot of physical pain in my lower back most of my life so it's something that I'm like okay what do I need to do to like help myself you know resolve this I don't believe I'm supposed to live with this pain my whole life like how do I figure this out so I've been searching Mm -hmm. for that physical aspect when which results in all the like subconscious deconditioning and all the things so yeah human design like melds together everything everything yeah. I've ever studied it all ultimately boils down and says the same thing mm-hmm. right which is like we're all one we're all here to experience this physical realm so that the great source that is part of us can better know itself essentially mm-hmm. so human design took all that like very like Piscean energy of all of that and grounds it into this very like intellectual type a personality kind of thing which is very much me (laughs) as well and yeah I just took it and ran with it so I bought um I bought Karen Curry Parker's book the understanding the red book yeah I had that was my first one too yeah I read it cover to cover in a weekend 
while we were we actually like drove to um Asbury Park in New Jersey for a little you know weekend trip and I wrote it out loud in the car while my my boyfriend drove read it out loud all the way down I'm he's a projector I'm reading stuff for him I'm reading stuff about the profiles I'm reading mm-hmm. all these different things out loud and then and then you know I did that on the way back and by the end of the weekend I was like okay I need the next book now and so now I have many books <laughs> like you probably have all of the books now I not quite all of them I've been a little bit like picky choosy you know which ones but the next one I got was I think I think I got Chayton Parkins book next and then I got the um the raw... human design the blue book yeah I got the blue Me book the same order. yeah and then I got the raw and Linda Bunnell definitive book um just I because at the time one. like I so you don't want it so many people talk about it as it's the my six line my three my six goes oh everybody wants it everybody says this is the book I don't want it I think that's what it is it's like everybody else says this is what you should have and anytime that happens my six line goes you don't want that thing (laughs) because everybody has it and wants it and I also don't think I get bored and really lose focus very easily and I like succinct like and I don't think that that's what that is. So I i don't think it would work for me. It's the languaging of it, which is what everybody talks about with Ra. The languaging is like very austere and very, mm-hmm. you very know, raw. dry. And um, yeah, and a little like rough around the edges in some spots. Um, I do still find, I use it for reference, but I'll like, I'll have four different books and I'll like, if I'm looking into a channel, I look at all of them and I kind of, pull together a synthesis Mm -hmm. and I try to let like my intuition guide me to like what parts are really coming through that feel pertinent whether it's for a reading I'm doing or if Mm -hmm. I'm gonna if I'm designing a workshop or something like that um so I I use the book still I like to look up some of the like specific lines he's got these like little like one sentence phrases for each line of each Mm -hmm. gate Mm -hmm. and sometimes like some of the stuff is really cryptic and it just makes no freaking sense. And That's I'm like, how I feel. I have a line. I have a line book somewhere. <laughs> I forget who did it. It might be Jaden and Parkin. I don't remember. But it's a book about the lines. Um it's I think it's called the Book of Lines, actually. Because I have the yeah. Book of Des- Destinies, yeah. and I love that one for Incarnation Cross. And I have the Book of Lines too, and it's very similar. It'll go, it'll be like eight thirteen um one and then it'll give you like a sentence but sometimes you're you're like is this a fortune cookie like what does this sentence mean i'm it's very like vague or just like yeah what (laughs) yeah some of them do make sense and yeah oh yeah and then some of them don't and same thing with the incarnation crosses his incarnation crosses in in ra's book which he's he has a whole other book that goes way more in depth into all the the incarnation mm-hmm. crosses and the and the gates I haven't got that one's hard to get your hands on it's like a hundred dollars on Amazon See, I'm also limited. like a frugal frugal Same. gal that's why <laughs> that's why I got his book was like a fifty five dollar book I got mm-hmm. that was the third one I got when I had gone through the the other two and I was like yeah. okay I still don't have enough but I think I'm for your first for. line that really works yes. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, this is why I didn't do well in school. I did fine in high school because high school's easy. But when I got to college and you have to like 
do things for yourself and they don't they're not trying to get you to pat go through right. like i was terrible because i can't note taking to me is like it's torture like i don't know mm. what i'm writing down i don't know what i'm supposed to remember and then i'll look over at the person next to me and they've got like collation and colors and indents and everything's all beautiful and i'm like what the hell like i can't do this i was i started college and quit college three times my third line needed needed those three times to be like hey you're done with this break that bond a bunch of times oh god it was like (laughs) something i thought i had to do like i had to do it and then finally i realized i didn't and that was actually very freeing and I think this is another six line thing where sometimes I feel like I'm ahead of stuff where Mm. I was like, college is actually not going to be an important thing. And this was in the early two thousands. And now it's like, well, yeah. Right. Well, (laughs) because learning facts is not unlocking wisdom all the time. Yeah. Learning facts in that very like, yeah. In the way that linear way, these groups of people are saying you have to learn it like this. And this is what you get to learn. We choose for you. It feels very, and I always thought before human design, I always thought I had to be something like I had to have a career and a job and a title. And this is who you are for your whole life. And I could never figure that out. And that was always very jarring for me and very upsetting for me in life. And then when I learned about human design and the undefined G, when my mentor told me about the undefined G center, I just started like bawling my eyes out because Mm -hmm. I was like, this is me. Like, I don't, I'm trying to be something. I'm trying to fit into a thing. And she goes, no, she goes, you're here to be many things. You're a chameleon and you're not really here to have a title or a career or even a place that you live for your whole life. She's like, you're here to kind of shift around and it's totally okay. She's like, society is going to tell you that that's not okay, but it's totally okay. And, and here's where, here's where I feel like it's important to understand that like, the system of human design gives us these labels like projector and manifesting generator and all that, but like there, the nuance within. So what you just described is also my experience, but from the lens of being a manifesting generator with a defined identity center, Mm -hmm. it's this, it's almost the same kind of feeling and we get conditioned in a similar way, except I'm getting conditioned in my definedness. You're getting conditioned in your openness mm-hmm. to be this one thing and stick on this one path. But really, that's not true for either of us. And we're yeah. totally we're we have completely different designs. Yeah, the so man gen part really comes in and is like you have a lot of things you can you you can juggle you can do. Yes. I think for me, it's about realizing that I'm here to do a lot of to be a lot of different things, but. I'm probably not going to do it all at once because that would be hard for my, that would be difficult for me to balance and like hard for my system, mm-hmm. but your system eventually, once, once you like, we work, like you said, we, we start to become aware of our conditioning and all that stuff. You can go, Oh, like I ha- can have more than one thing happening. And then when this thing is boring and I don't want this anymore, I can just let it go and yeah. then focus on these things. And Oh, I want to go back to that thing. Cause it sounds fun again. So bop. And it's like, yeah you kind of can be really outside of the box in your movements and I can too, but I have, for me, it's really about being aware of the amount of energy that I have at any given moment. Yeah. Because it's always a different thing. And even if I'm, and this is something that when I learned this, I was like, Oh shit, this totally makes sense. 
even if I'm really into something and I really have the, I feel like I have the energy to do it and I'm really excited to do it. I can't, I, I have to stop. Like, even if I feel like I want to keep going, I need a break because the undefined sacral and all the undefined motors are like, Hey, you need a break, even if I like it. And I used to think that very similar to the generator thing. If I'm into something, I can just keep doing it. I can just keep going, but that's not really how it goes. So like breaks for us are necessary. Even if we're in the middle of something that we're like, this is so fun. And this is so awesome. How long have you been in that? How long have you been doing that? You need it. You need a little break and mm-hmm. then you can come back and, mm-hmm. and still have more fun. Or you might realize during that break that you're done and you're like, okay, yeah, I need, I need a bigger rest than just this little break. And I think that's really helpful for people with undefined centers is you just because you need a break doesn't mean that you're no fun or that you are not having fun or that this isn't exciting and fun and good for you. It's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. You I know? think that's where the, um, where like the cognition piece comes in handy you know the finer aspects of the chart that we get in like phs is where like when you're in those breaks okay lean into your phs and like for we were talking about inner vision earlier so do you do you completely stop engaging with that project entirely what i heard you say was that you're doing it right and that you you need to like monitor your energy while you're doing the thing but when you're in those breaks are you leaning into maybe just being um usually the accomplisher of that thing rather than having to do all the things to become that (laughs) i don't know because control for me is a big deal so visioning usually i have to be in it but you when i'm talking i guess when i'm saying that kind of stuff for me when i think of like fun things it's like it's nothing that has to do with work it's like usually it's having to do with being in, in aura with other people so usually, so if I'm in aura with other people and I'm having fun, I still need to, usually it's just to like go to the bathroom. It need, it's almost just like an aura break. Like I need my aura to break from these people, even if it's only for like a minute or two, and then I can go back. Um, usually, uh, that's usually what I'm thinking of when I think of this stuff, because if I'm by myself and I'm not in aura with another person, it's not the same. I don't feel like I need as much of a break or... I need to step away as much yeah. because I'm very, I don't know what the word is, but I take a lot, like when I'm alone doing like work things, I take a lot of breaks. Like I already know I have like at my fifth line or not my fifth line. I'm sorry. My gate five. That's what I wanted to say really gets in there sometimes with the rhythms and like the order of things. And I'm like, okay, it's tea time. Time to have your tea. This is your tea break. Okay, now go back. Okay, now it's lunch break. Like I know when those things work. But when I'm in aura with other people, I think I get carried away. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I'm with these people now. And then I just kind of do whatever everybody else is doing. And I don't think about like my order of operations, I guess. Yeah. And then I can be like, oh, I'm tired. I need a break. Have you ever heard of the thing called the Pomodoro method? No, that sounds like a soft. Oh, wait, is that like the 20 minutes on and like five minutes off thingy? Yeah, yeah. I think I have, but it feels too structured. 
Mm. <laughs> exactly. Like I have to have my breaks and do my things and the weird times that I want to do them. And I, and it, to have like, to tell myself 20 minutes. I, I feel like it's better if I say, do this piece to here and then mm. go have like associating anything with a timetable mm. really. I don't like it. <laughs> I, time to me is this frustrates my husband to no end because I'm a unless I have to be somewhere I'm incredibly responsible if like I'm never late to my job I'm never late if I have an appointment I'm never late if we have to meet people for something but if it's just him and I going to get coffee or if I'm going to the grocery store and I say I'm going at 10 and I end up going at 11 he's like what the hell and I'm like I just this is what happened Oh, I feel like that perfectly, like, uh, that's a perfect embodiment of the open spleen and root. Like, you you only have a sense of time when there's the pressure from the outside. And I don't like it. Right. Like, I don't like appointments. <laughs> I don't like, I don't, it bothers me. I know exactly how long it takes me to get to work to the minute from yeah. the house. Yeah. So I leave with no time. Like, if there was an accident, then I would be late, obviously, but I don't care. Uh, but there's a reason there's a reason for that i'm cool right right but i know exactly how long it takes because i don't ever want to be early because i don't like my job that's one thing but also yeah i'm very i don't like time <laughs> i don't like time no it's just it feels well, very, it's like lucky for us it's dream. not real so you know you can we both have open uh, undefined splings and roots so that's very interesting yeah are you similar with time or you're probably more, a little bit more. I used to be obsessed with being early for things because I was paranoid about not getting there on time. Like yeah. I had a lot of not self. So I had like, I didn't want to let people down by not showing up on time. Or yeah, also, I think heart, also yeah. my, the fifth line, I didn't want to get the reputation Blade. that oh, I yeah. was late. Like very like, sub you know consciously and unconsciously because you would be late one time and that would be it oh my god or like people would just assume I was always going to be late so like then that's like where like the parents started telling us oh come come to dinner for five o'clock thinking that we were going to show up at six right but then but then I started actually becoming like perfectly on time for things and then I started becoming when I started playing music in a band then I started becoming notoriously late for things like that's when that's when the parents started saying like the wrong time thinking that we would show up late and now I'm at a place where I just get there when I get there and I've I've done a lot of that deconditioning work around time and timing and practicing patience and knowing mm-hmm. that exactly I show up exactly at the moment I was meant to arrive and all that sort of stuff and yeah. really just listening and being more in the flow but I used to be paranoid about showing up late for things. And then I became <laughs> perpetually late for things. But now I'm kind of kind of in that middle. Yeah. Middle I just part. get stressed out when there's a when it's like you have to be here at this time. I'm like, oh shit. Like that's a that's an actual time. Okay. Um Sean, my husband, is a generator. Spleen, sacral, heart. That's it. Mm. And so I feel that the when the, the time I this helps me because I don't get when he like gets on me about the time. I don't want to be like, babe, I've told you a million times. Like 
if I'm going grocery shopping or if we're doing something casual, it's never the time I say. It's always going to be later than that. I don't know how much later, but later. <laughs> I try to be better, but I'm not better. <laughs> and and he's gotten really good at, I'll tell him a time, like, we'll go to coffee at this time. And he knows it's going to be at least 20 minutes later than that. And he, I mean, he's usually pretty right, but he's very much a, like, if he says he's going to leave at a time for anything, anything, he's out. Usually earlier than what he says. And I'm like, earlier? Like, why? How do you do that? Yeah, see, I wonder if, I think this is, um, yeah, more a sacral thing than it is a necessarily a root or spleen thing. So my my husband's a projector. Mm-hmm. He's he has the head, ajna, throat, and G defined. Yeah, with a with a split between the ajna and the throat. So he's not as obsessed with time and things as I am. But when we're together, we define we define everything except for the the will center, the heart. Yeah, and so we're to when we're doing things together, it's a little bit like. There's this midway point between the structure and the relaxedness that yeah, kind of happens. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like more like as long as we're together, we don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually he's been a lot. I think it just t- took him some getting used to because, like I said, if I would say a time, he would assume it was that time. And then when it over and over and over ended up not being that time, he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm just not a. Uh, so I said, I'm just not a time person. And he's like, what? Yeah. I'm like, it's just, it made so much sense when I learned about the undefined spleen as like literally time just kind of slips away and you're just un- like kind of just unaware that it's happening until you are made aware of what time it is. Yeah. And they're like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple practices around time that I do. Like one is where uh, however long I think it's going to take, I double it. So however, however much time I think I actually need, because I am fast and I can do things very efficiently, but also I tend to sidetrack myself or <laughs> whatever, like getting out the door can take 20 minutes. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, because all of a sudden I have to clean the bathroom because I just saw. Yeah, or do the dogs does. have water or like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, where, what? I, yeah. I'm the same yeah. way. He'll be standing yeah. at the door ready to go on like fucking with his phone. And I'm like, do the dogs have water? Are the lights off? Like, yeah what's happening yeah. are we really yeah. ready yeah yeah like that's yeah. funny yeah so however long you think it's going to take double it if it's a project that involves multiple people triple it yeah that's a good <laughs> if idea you think it's going to take a week it's going to actually take three weeks <laughs> yeah i used to be he used to not include travel time whenever he would talk about like the t- amount of time it would take to do things and i'm like mm. hey 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 yeah I'm like, do you want to get there at this time or do you want to leave at this time? And he's like, oh, I want to get there. I'm like, okay, well, how long does it take to get there? Yeah. Then we have to leave at this time? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but since he's always early, he always is ready early. He's like, well, I would have been, he would have been ready by that time, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, also you have to keep me in line. Yeah. I used to stress myself out by like piling a lot of things in one day to like try and be efficient and get everything oh, yeah, done yeah, yeah. while I'm Undefined out. Route. 
yeah, while I'm out in the area, I'm going to like go grocery shopping and do this and get that and get an oil change and do all these things. And I used to do that. And then I would get stressed out because the first thing took 15 minutes longer than I thought. And then the second thing talk took 20 minutes longer than I thought. Next thing I know, I'm an hour behind my like my internal schedule that nobody yeah. put on me but me. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now I when I'm booking out like days you know, if I have two readings booked for a day, I, I think in my head that I could also go do something that evening. But in reality, I'm like, hmm, how about I'm just gonna not commit. And I'm gonna see if I can decide when the time comes and see what my sacral says, because I might energetically just not be into it at that time. But a week prior, my energy is like, oh, yeah, I can do all these things. Yeah. yeah yeah I that's exactly what I was like when I came to to design too was to-do lists and whenever I wouldn't cross something off I would get so pissed like I have to move it I'm like oh I'm so angry at myself and now I purposefully am like don't don't do this to yourself like give yourself basic shit and like if you have to move the laundry to tomorrow it's not the end of the world you'll be okay oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and I think this is like we learn this because we learned about our designs, but these are like big pieces for everybody is, hey, how much stuff are you trying to cram into every single day? Do you even know what time it is when you're in the middle of those things? Do you even know where you are? Like what's happening? How fast are you going? Even as an MG, Anna knows that it's too fast probably. <laughs> and you, and you, it's, it's too much. We're we're all to me it's I we grew up in the culture of give 110 percent every single day of your life squeeze every single moment of your life you have to get everything out of life all of it all the time or else you're you're not doing it right and that just sounds like so exhausting that's what we call toxic capitalism <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like maybe being in the moment is getting it right yes maybe that's yes. all that there is maybe that's all that it is and you're just, you need to relax. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We're going to do an MG pivot like no other. Yeah. We're going to start talking about you and your stuff and what you've got oh. coming up because I think it's really interesting. And um, I want to talk about it. It has to do with music, but I'm yes. going to let Anna continue. Cliffhanger. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Great segue. So, I am starting a podcast that is launching January 12th is the first episode. It's just a little solo intro episode. And then I have a bunch of interview episodes. Um, it's kind of, I'm I'm trusting it and letting it unfold the way it wants to um, as episodes start getting released. So I may have solo episodes between interviews to kind of extrapolate and expand upon things we touch on in the interviews. Mm-hmm. So like human design concepts, astrology things, different things like that. So yeah. it's called Music by Design. And it's this exploration kind of research project, just tickling all of the parts of me that <laughs> internally that just are so excited to just be having these conversations and just exploring, exploring why we like the music that we like. So it's this intersection of music, creativity, expression, preferences, and our energetics. That's so neat. 
and I don't really ever think about music like that. <laughs> it's wildly correlative, and people who are sciences everything people might not want, don't listen, but also it is very scientific because the the way I'm doing this research is very it's it's anecdotal and correlative but it's still research nonetheless so it has yeah. scientific pieces to it but it's also just wildly out there and it's just something that i i had this day can i tell the story of how i came oh, up yeah of course uh, up with this idea so i'm a musician i music has been a huge part of my life my whole life and i've I've been playing instruments since I was very little. I currently play music with my husband. Uh, we both sing. He plays guitar. I play the mandolin. I grew up playing the viola and the piano and self-taught guitar. And um, I never thought myself a really great singer. I'm not a huge sing. I'm not a huge into singing leads. Certain certain songs I really love singing lead on. But for the most part, I'm big on harmonies I can mm -hmm. I can find the harmony and make somebody back somebody up and make somebody sound really good really really well but then if you ask me to like really belt something out and sing lead it's it's only choice songs so uh big into music and I'm also an avid music goer music listener I love I love going to see live music a lot uh I spend a lot of time in music festivals and things like that so uh I've seen a lot of different live music and I'm also into all this, like, you know, energetic and spiritual stuff. So one day I was listening to some music while I was in my kitchen and I was kind of in a funk. I was in a weird emotion. I was kind of in a bit of an emotional low, probably. Mm -hmm. And there's like certain music. I feel like a lot of us do this. There's certain music we go to it's when we're feeling certain ways, right? Like if you, or if you want to feel a certain way, if you want to like be pumped up about cleaning your house, you're going to listen to something that's going to like have a driving rhythm and really like make you move. But then if you're feeling more contemplative or if you are like in, for me that particular day, I was just like irritated and feeling like, F the world and rah, 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 and I'm like, who, who do I, what song is going to make me feel validated, right? In this kind of not selfie kind of a moment. So I started listening to uh, my go-tos are Fiona Apple and Amy Winehouse when I'm in mm -hmm. that kind of a mood. So Amy Winehouse's Back to Black in particular is like, just gets me in a way. And like, I don't even, like I've, I've researched what the song meant for her, but I don't even know what it really means for me, except that it just makes me feel like she gets me. Mm -hmm. And same thing with Fiona Apple's music. Like I, I love her lyrics a lot, but I, I really, I started listening to her music when I was in my teens and mm -hmm. it doesn't resonate as much for me now because that music was making me feel validated in my not self. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not in those places as much anymore. So the music, it holds a nostalgic piece for me. Yeah. I can reflect on how I used to feel when I listen to that music, but it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't validate me anymore because I'm not in those places anymore. So this, this, just this idea started getting my gears turning and I'm singing along to Back to Black. And I'm like, man, what is her, what is Amy's design? So I looked it up 
She is also a 5-1 emotional manifesting generator. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. For for a design that I have not encountered personally, many 5-1 emotional manifesting generators. Not only that, she has a different channel. She's a 12-22 emotional wave. I'm a 59-6, so we have a little difference there. But she's also single definition and has the exact same centers defined as I do. Oh, wow. So I found this really fascinating. And I was like, whoa. She was also born in the same year. You and I also were born. We were all born in 1983. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, cat's out of the bag. Oh, uh, everybody knows I'm 40. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, so she was born like a month, like two, it wasn't even a month. It was like three weeks after I was born. So we have a lot of the same outer planets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pluto, Neptune, Uranus are in a lot of the same um gates so we have the same kind of collective themes going on and then i'm looking at her chart and her north and south node or her unconscious sun and earth are my north and south node and i'm like oh that's also very interesting and so i just started like finding all these similarities places where we had a lot in common and i feel like when we're in our not self or when we're just younger in our younger years, we're differentiating, we're trying to figure out who we are, we tend to gravitate towards things that feel like similar to us, right? Yeah. So we're looking for those companionship energies, those kindred energies that we look at in a chart. What do we have in common with this person? Where do we feel like we belong? Where do we feel seen? Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So then I looked up Fiona Apple's chart. Depending on what time she was born, because I think again this is the sort of thing where we have to yeah we look at across the whole day if we don't know their exact birth time she's either a four one or a five one so we have that similarity there Mm -hmm. also emotional manifesting generator she was actually born one day away from amy winehouse but in a different year oh wow i'm like holy moly so these two (laughs) powerhouse powerful female artists Mm -hmm. who are primarily solo artists with maybe a backing band right but wrote their own you know wrote their own music very powerful very influential um emotionally driven lyrics are really resonating for me and we have very similar they have very similar energies Mm -hmm. and i have similar energies to them so it just kind of got my gears turning and (laughs) i started looking up all the musicians and whether they were a a musician or a songwriter or both I just started looking up everything that Mm -hmm. I've ever been interested in and then that just started sending me down more rabbit holes then I started looking at like all the charts of drummers and then I started looking at all the charts of you know like just my one line just was going off the rails out man yeah for for a couple weeks really and this was two years ago I started this then I started talking about it with some friends people that are into similar like people that are into astrology even if they're not deeply they at least have some of the lingo or people that know a little bit about their human design and Mm -hmm. just asking them questions about music that they like and then looking at their chart and and I started doing these chart comparisons I'm like finding these correlations that now when I'm looking at someone I'm going to interview, I I have these like three or four places that I look at first instead of just 
being overwhelmed by the whole chart and trying to be mm-hmm. like this is the third i don't see it you know there's there's specific places i look or when if i if i can't find anything with one person and one artist if i look at a number of artists that they like mm-hmm. and start to then then the the patterns kind of emerge and this is where i also feel like my gate 18 really kind of like comes through i have the yeah yeah is my unconscious moon so it's this Ooh, this drive to find these patterns in these bigger themes, right? That kind of mm-hmm. come through and emerge. And then I have a very, my, my brain is passive. Like my, I have like, I'm like DRL, PRL, if anybody speaks that language. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a lot of left stuff going on yeah, in, yeah. in the way I take in things. And so it's like sometimes if I try to look at the charts and try to make the pattern emerge, I feel like I get stuck. But sometimes if I just trust and I just start like pulling and I just I make these notes that I don't think anybody else could read, but I yeah, make yeah. these notes with all these notations and then all these all of a sudden the pattern starts to come out and like my, my body responds to it. My body feels mm-hmm. it. And so I'm looking at human design charts. I'm looking at, sometimes I'm looking at astrology charts, but because I don't always have the exact birth time. Yeah, that's trying, hard. You can't always like be like, oh yeah, it's in this house and this sign and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's not always super accurate. But with human yeah. design, the main thing that usually will change is like profile or Mercury or the moon. Yep. You know, sometimes, you know, type can change drastically across a 24 hour period for someone's birth date. But yeah, that's where also I feel like it's important. Like type is important, but also when it comes to this, this comparative stuff I'm looking at, it's, I don't even hardly ever look at type. It's usually more often the profile, the sun and earth gates, the nodes, the moon and the mercury. And it's, it's, those those very personal the close personal planets those 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 parts and it's like where am I finding that in the music that they're listening to yeah and and seeing how they cross pollinate so it's just really fun and so what I do for each interview is I also have a patreon page set up where when the interview airs I also will post the charts that I'm going to like, I put them in Canva and I put circles around things with arrows yeah, to yeah, be like, yeah. if you're a nerd for this, like <laughs> me too, if you have a one or you've been heavily conditioned by someone with a one line, then <laughs> you might actually like this and might know what this means. If you're a six line or a two line, you're going to look at this and go cross eyed. Ah! But- um, <laughs> too much information at once yeah yeah so, <laughs> but I I've, I've been like making these little like write-ups that kind of describe like some of what I'm seeing so you know you can kind of try to like follow along if you want to look at the chart because I'm not doing these in video although mm-hmm. I often will share my screen we'll talk about what's on my screen on the podcast but if you if you want you can like go to the patreon pull up the the chart which I include those, you know, those are unpaid subscriptions. But if you want to pay like $2 a month, every now and then we'll do a giveaway or something like somebody who mm-hmm. I interviewed might have like a product that they want to give away to the subscribers of the Patreon or something like that, different things like that. Or also like special recordings or unreleased tracks, you know, if they're a musician, things like that. So I'm interviewing people who are both lovers of music, 
creators of music and both. So um, when I'm interviewing someone who loves music, you know, we're pulling the charts of these artists that they love and things like that. When I'm interviewing someone who's more a creator, like a musician or a songwriter, I'm looking at their design and really asking them about like their creation process, Mm -hmm. because that's something I've seen too, as a musician, excuse me, I, I myself has, have written a handful of songs and it's always been very sporadic, very kind of out of nowhere. And it just comes when it comes with a a lot Mm -hmm. of my openness there. I can't make myself write a song. I've tried and it's just not good. Uh, but I've watched other people who can write a lyric a day, like they write a lyric a day or they write five songs a day, or they write, they, they write five songs a week, every week for a year. And at the end of the day, they might have 10 really awesome songs from that process. It's kind of like a statistical process. They just have to get as much as they can out. And statistically, something's going to be good. Like (laughs) 10% of the time, it's going to be something really good. The other 90% is going to be trash or they'll recycle it into something else later. So that I find really interesting because that's not me. That is not yeah. me. I am not like just this stuff flowing out. But when I look at people who have that kind of a process, they often have a defined head and ajna, mm-hmm. you know, or an ajna in a throat or a head ajna throat. You know, like they have this stream that just has to come out of them. Yeah, And yeah. then later they can go back through and pick out what feels like it makes sense. Right. Yeah, so yeah. this is, it's not set in stone. This isn't like a firm thing, but it's something that I look at when we're exploring this sort of stuff in these interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, when they write songs, like my, my husband does this, he just picks up his guitar. He might be inspired by like a weird chord formation he heard in a song that he liked and he'll start playing with that chord. And then start playing with other chords around it. And then he just starts making sounds with his mouth. <laughs> and then words start forming. And I'm like, what is happening right now? He, and he'll make a song just like that without any. Projected, right? Self projected yes. projector. Yes. He's a self projected projector. And that just kind of, it just comes out of him. And like he didn't really have an intention other than just playing with this chord. Whereas, like for me, like when I've, written music usually there's I hear the words in my mind first or I'll hear a specific word that someone else says I'll be like "Ooh, that's a lyric and that's cool and then I'll write it down and then the words form and then as the words are coming out then the music kind of I start to hear the music in my own like inner ear Mm -hmm. and then I'll get my instrument and I'll I'll, okay and then this is a song now and it's very it's wild because yeah songwriting there's people out there who teach songwriting right in a very formulaic way and maybe that works for a lot of people but I feel like if that's not an authentic process for you and you try to write like from that formulaic way people are gonna know like like people can feel it from you that it's maybe not a hundred percent your truest expression Mm-hmm. but also sometimes like I do this for myself I, I find it very helpful to have at least a framework like a box a container within which I can have freedom to play and experiment so yeah that's yeah. what this podcast is <laughs> this podcast is a container in which for me to just play and experiment and explore and do all this fun juicy research and have great conversations about it's music good, and energy it's a good idea you'll love it 
because like you said it feels very like you can talk about whatever you want because it's yours and you can do it however you want because it's you yeah um so you have that control but at the same time it's like well whatever this is I can do whatever I want yeah yeah so in when I when I go to interview and this this can segue into asking you a few questions um because I I I asked Janelle listeners I asked Janelle about some of her musical preferences before we before we got on so I could Mm -hmm. um you know uh, do do what I do here and something I find interesting is when I ask I ask folks about what kind of music were you into when you were that like angsty young teenager you know when Mm -hmm. you were figuring out what you liked that was mm-hmm. maybe different from your family, right? Because that's what we're doing. We're differentiating. We're figuring out who we are. Um, while hormones are raging through us, right? And we need <laughs> to express, you know. Um, what did you like when you were a teenager? You know, and then sometimes we compare it to what do you like now? And sometimes people still like the same music. You know, they're still like gung-ho fans for whatever band it is that they were when they were a teen. And mm-hmm. that's totally, and I think it's like, what we're finding when we do these comparisons is that sometimes people are embarrassed by what they liked when they were young. Like, (laughs) like, like, Oh, I'm embarrassed. Sometimes people are, people are just like a little, like, you know, because they're not into it as much now. Right. You're like, yeah, (laughs) you were an emo kid or you were into pop or you're into country or whatever. And you're not into that now. And sometimes people are embarrassed. So what I like is like, this kind of validates that what you were into when you were a kid, you were drawn to because there was a part of yourself that was being recognized and mm-hmm. it's, and you don't have to be embarrassed by it. And there's actually like, we have this energetic connection that I can show you that validates it. And, and often when we're young, we're looking for that stuff that we see ourselves in, or we feel seen by, mm-hmm. as when we get older, sometimes we'll, you know, if we're on an evolutionary path as well, and we're evolving and, and looking for things to help us expand, that's typically when we're going to see connections between the music you listen to that has more of that electromagnetic, they have the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. whatever it is that your energy is looking for, that mute, the energy of that music has it and connects it. Mm-hmm. So one of the concepts too, that's important to, I think, surrender to in this exploration is that space and time aren't real, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about human design, when we get in aura, that's when we're exchanging that auric information, right? Like you have to be Typically, your aura extends about six feet in all directions around you. So if you're 12 feet away from someone, your auras might not be touching. But as soon as you're within 11 feet, all of a sudden your auras are touching, right? Mm -hmm. I think we can actually expand and contract this field with our consciousness as well. Mm -hmm. So in in Reiki, we explore how you can send healing energy across distance and time, right? Mm -hmm. You can send energy back. You can send energy forward as long as it's accepted, as long as it's welcomed, right? Mm -hmm. You can't send energy to someone if they don't want it. Like yeah. you can send it, but they if they don't want it, they're not going to get the benefit of it. So yeah. whenever we create something, we're imprinting that creation with our energetic expression, with our blueprint. Mm-hmm. And then something that can withstand over time, like you create a piece of music, 
there's there's this inherent uh, permission or consent when you create a piece of music and it's published and it's put out and now it's on the radio. There's consent now, this implied consent that anyone who listens to that music is tapping into your energy, your energetic mm. field in a very like distant. It's not like being an aura, but we're still getting that those connections. Mm -hmm. So when you listen to that music, when you're a teenager, you're tapping into the energetic expression of that artist or and or the person who anyone who's involved in creating that music. So if, if, if an artist sang it, but someone else wrote it, you're tapping into like the energetics of both, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe more so if someone wrote the song, you're tapping more maybe into their personality side of their design. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone who's performing the song, maybe you're tapping more into their design side. It's really, it gets, we're getting, it can get really meta, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's cool. And this is, these are just the things I'm observing as yeah. I'm having these conversations with people. And it's really cool. So. Yay. Well, I, I, I feel kind of bad because I, I'm not really a music person, but I mean, we can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> well, and and that actually and that's cool because like what it is was I asked you which aspect of music music do you prefer if you were if you could only have one which would you choose really great lyrics or a driving rhythm what did I pick rhythm I would assume you picked rhythm yeah. yeah I don't really care about the lyrics I've never really been a lyric person which blows my mind that there are people out there that don't give a crap about the lyrics because I'm someone who I love the lyrics I when I would get when I would get an album when I would get a new CD when I was a teenager yeah, like yeah. when I got that when I got my first Fiona, Al Fiona Apple album I like put it in my CD player and I'm on my bed in my room and I pull out the little the little pamphlet people Gen Zers might not know what this is now but it in was the one CD, of my first first CDs that I got yeah. Apple, Alanis Morissette around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So you had put Alanis as one of those, one of those yeah. ones in your thing, she which I, we can talk about her. We can talk about her. There's a connection there. It's cool. But I would pull out the little pamphlet that had all the lyrics. And yeah, I would, yeah, yeah. I would lay there and I would read all the lyrics while I was listening to it. And I would listen to an album over and over and over again until I knew every single freaking word. Um, and, and when I write songs, I'm writing lyrics because there's a specific message I'm trying to convey. So you're not the first person to tell me that you don't care about the lyrics. And oh, the, first, the first <laughs> time I heard someone tell me this, I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> then why the hell am I writing these listening? words if you're not even listening to them? <laughs> but she's like, but she, this person in particular was like, no, I just want to feel the rhythm and I just want to dance and move and move my energy and move my body. And I was like, that was the first time that that had even been something I, I hadn't even considered that people don't listen to lyrics before that, before that moment, that conversation. I was like, wait, you only care about the rhythm. So that's why I asked this question, because Very there cool. are people who are rhythm people and there are people who are lyric people. Like if you could only have one, if you had to give up the other, which one would you give up? And so I find this interesting because the first place I look in a chart, when someone tells me they're a rhythm person, is do they have the gate five or the 15? 
and you've got the five <laughs> twice. Yeah. 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 I have a big so, five energy. Thank you for proving my theory <laughs> once again. So again, this isn't like a hundred percent of the people. I think maybe like yeah. 1% of the time someone will tell me the beat is more important to them and they don't have the five or 15, but they're usually torn. They're usually like, they have a mm-hmm. harder time really like landing on which one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're you know, experimenting the- with the human condition. So there's not going to be like right percent zero percent like right right and i'm not trying to prove any yeah i'm not trying to prove anything but in those people that don't have the five or 15 and rhythm is more important then i'm like oh okay so what am i what else am i exploring the chart do they have a lot of sensing circuitry do they have a lot of you know other gates that might be uh have a lot to do with patterning so like gate 44 and gate 18 you know those sorts of things um, or, you know, just different, different things. Maybe they're, they only have definition in the root and the spleen, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that, that might have that same kind of tie to rhythm and timing. Mm-hmm. But the five is like the most prominent energy. And this is yeah. when I started exploring um, charts of drummers. They all mm-hmm. have the five or the 515, like every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> You're to not a drummer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So this is just like a really cool thing that That's I'm like, very oh. cool. so, so you told me that you had, you preferred the rhythm, which also in the music that you generally like as an adult, you said you, you really love disco. You really love, um, uh, disco and funk, which has that driving rhythm, which disco music, the lyrics, it has lyrics, but they're Nobody not, cares. They're not really <laughs> conveying some deep emotional message, right? Like, let's like dance. Yes, exactly. Let's party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. And so all of disco. Now here's here's the cool thing. All right, I have to look at my notes here. Um, when it comes to disco, you know, you have a lot of different artists. I was trying to get you to give me like a specific one that you liked, but you're like, I don't like a specific one. I like all I'm of real them. Real weird right? about. I don't listen to. I have songs on my phone that I'll listen to for like a year straight and then I'll go online and I'll put on a few more songs and and I only listen to music when I'm driving to work sometimes. Sometimes I sit in silence. Mm -hmm. I very rarely listen to music. That's why this is hard for me. So I had to think about when I was younger. um, I listen to music when I do yoga in the morning. That's probably the longest, most consistent period of time that I will listen to something. And it's Right now, it's I think it's it's Bonobo or Bonobo or I don't know how to say his name, but I think that's close. It's him and like twenty of his songs, and I've listened to them over and over for I can't probably more than a year now. I I don't I like the same thing over and over. I don't know anything new. If you tried to tell me about some new songs, when people talk to me about Taylor Swift, I know she's not new, but I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm yeah. very like well that's like that defined Ajna. Specific. Your defined yeah. Ajna is like I know what I know what I know and I know what I like and it's yeah. this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I when you're talking about music, I really had to think back of like when I listened to music when I was younger more consistently yeah. and that yeah. helped. Yeah. Yeah. But like so disco, so Donna Summer is like right, like the I the love disco Donna queen, Summer. Right. Mm-hmm. She has the full fifteen five channel yeah you know she's got it very strong in her chart 
and and so like the music's coming through her but you know what she didn't actually write she co-wrote some of her songs but she didn't really write most of the music she was like just like that front person performer. That was, she was performing that that music through her design and i think it's her she has the 15 is her unconscious uranus for the five is her conscious venus so like yeah. it's it's that energy is really being pulled through her body and her expression in that way mm-hmm. but so this is this is why I like this because it forces me to kind of expand the way I think about uh, approaching these things when someone doesn't have like one specific artist they're really into. So you're into this whole genre. Well, the fellow who wrote most like most of the disco hits, his name was Giorgio Moroder. He was actually from Italy, and he's a mental projector with the 1156 defined. You're lying. No. You're you making his... this up. No, no I will way. share his For chart. Real? I will share his chart with you. Yeah. That's crazy. It's wild. And and the 11 is his conscious moon and the 56 is his Pluto, both his Pluto gates. Because that makes so much sense that during that time, a lot of music would be written by a small amount of people. Because yeah. like you said, they're manufacturing a sound. They're manufacturing yeah. this disco thing. And so once you get the sound, it's like, okay, the song, because if you listen to a lot of disco, a lot of it sounds very similar or the same, like mm-hmm. it's not very differentiated. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to think that yeah. one person put a lot of that together and for <laughs> almost anybody listening to this podcast is, knows a lot about human design, but if you don't, mental projectors are like 3% of the population. <laughs> so for that to be for her to say that was why I was like, nah, because that's very specific. Like yes. if she would just said projector on it, but like, okay, but mental projector and eleven fifty six channel with the same, the only <laughs> like he literally has the same, you know. And this is where like you have different cross of incarnations, different like you have other gates that are in common and things like that. But mm-hmm. it's that that. <laughs> The, the mental the projector way. thing is weird. With yeah, the yeah. So it's like this is the sort of thing that comes out when I'm doing this. Stuff. You must this have is... been so excited when you figured this out. <laughs> there's other things. There's there's so many things of all the di- the different you know bands and music and different things like the things from your teenager years. Also, there's some really strong stuff there too. We could. Talk about. <laughs> But the other piece I want to pull in here. So the other piece I pull in is often astrocartography. Okay. So if anyone doesn't know what astrocartography is, or it's also called locational astrology sometimes, Mm -hmm. you use the same natal information. You... I use a website that's I think it's uh, astroclicktravel is what it comes up as. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You can, for free, you can look up your chart, you can put in your birth information, and you get this map of the world with all these crazy lines all over the place. Yeah, I did this and I was immediately overwhelmed. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> basically, you get a line for each planet for each of the different aspects. So you get a sun line that's an, you get a sun ascendant, you have a sun descendant, a sun midheaven, and a sun uh, imam coli, I see. Each of these represents like a different aspect of the sun energy mm-hmm. and how you relate to it. So the sun ascendant is like, if you see your sun ascendant line going through a certain place on the map, then that place is going to, those that whole line, it's going to go through many places, 
those are places that are going to kind of elicit you feeling like you are seen and shining for who you are like Mm -hmm. the most in the most truest way yeah the sun descendant is we're gonna you're gonna see and feel that expression through others Mm -hmm. the the i see is where you see and feel that in the environment of that place and then the mc is where you're gonna see and feel that in like this development and evolution of the self like we usually associate mc with being like business but it's actually like your dharma it's kind of a north nodey kind of an energy yeah 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 okay so you have four types you know four different aspects of each of the planetary lines so four times there's a million you know, lines nine. like this there's a lot of lines <laughs> on this map you're like Here, where I'm... is it crossing i don't know <laughs> but what's really cool is that there's 99 percent of the time there is a big pull between like say this guy giorgio Moroder. he was born in italy You've got a prominent line that runs through Italy. It's actually it southern Italy and like northern Italy. You have two lines. It's your uh, Jupiter and Uranus mm-hmm. IC lines. They kind of sandwich together Italy on the map. And your Jupiter line is your gate five. And your Uranus line is your gate nine, mm-hmm. which is about like focus, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. where he was born, so which is a huge part of his energetic blueprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where he was born. So when he creates music, he's imprinting the energy of that place, which when you listen to that music, you're tapping into those lines from your astrocartography. Like it's just this crazy like that is cool. overlapping that happens when I that that I see when I'm looking at these charts. So it reinforces that gate 5 for you. Yeah. In this music now. So Donna Summer has it when she's actually like she's expressing it through the song as she sings it. But you're also getting it doubled up underneath through tapping into this feeling of expansiveness when you surround yourself with this music, that I see energy. You're surrounding yourself in your when you play the music. So you don't have to actually physically go to Italy to experience the energy because that's maybe I should. Energy and time, you know, time and space don't really exist. And so like, (laughs) <laughs> this is like a core grounding principle in my research it's yeah like, yeah yeah real. so let's play <laughs> with this so <laughs> um so when you listen to the music you're tapping into the expansive energy of your jupiter line oh very cool which is that gate five which yeah. is all about the rhythm and so of course you love disco <laughs> and it's very much like like you said i don't really ever listen to lyrics and i'm not really a sad song person or a slow song person. I like songs that, like you said, I'm like this and I get stuck in my head and I'm like, dang, I can't get this. And you're right. It's never the words. It's always, and I hard, I very rarely remember the words. I'll get like the gist and I'm like, I forget after that, but it's very, I can hear it. I can hear the beat. I can hear the song in my head. Um, And I, like I said, I'm very upbeat. I'm not, I would never listen to sad music for really any reason. I can't think of it. Mm-hmm. Like I would avoid yeah. it on purpose. Yeah. And I would say it it's would because bum me out. You're, you're, you got that. You're not defined in the solar plexus. And I think that that's like a big distinguishing piece between folks who uh, 
not only having the the gate of rhythm defined, but also um, often having that solar plexus undefined. And again, this isn't like a hard and fast, like if your solar plexus is open, then you don't care about lyrics. It's not that, but it's, yeah. it's people who are defined, especially folks who are not, are not aware of what's happening. Like they don't have the tool of human design or astrology yeah. or whatever these, these things to help them understand the way they understand is by tapping into music that makes them feel like they under, are understood in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. these are things that are hard to put your finger on when you don't have the framework of the language of the system mm -hmm. to put around it. So uh, like I did when I was a teenager, like I didn't know how to say what it was that I was feeling or explain the mood I was in, but I felt seen by these women who were also emotionally defined creating i listened movie. to more angsty stuff then when i was younger for sure yeah 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 oh, but uh i want to i want to i want to go over to like the the teenage thing so one of the things you put down was you put that you were like more into pop music which pop tends to be like lyrics don't mean a whole lot <laughs> you know and it has we're more dancing, of that, like, fun, like yeah yeah um but you put that you you were like into sync like that's probably the most of any sort of music that I can think of in my entire life that is the most influential and the most I've ever cared about a single band or thing in my entire life like I was a, uh, one of those freak girls who was just like recording things on tv with when you with the, you put the videotape in and you would record like yeah, their TRL yep. performance so you could watch <laughs> it like 50 times. It was the first concert I ever went to. Yeah. I was obsessed. Yeah. And it was the only time in my life I've ever cared about a single band or group of people, yeah. like musically ever. Did you have a favorite? <laughs> Which well, one Justin, of the guys was? Obviously, Justin. Justin. Yeah. Oh my God. I was crazy. I was like crying when I would watch them on TV. It was so, yeah. it's, it's like embarrassing, like you said, but not like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is the sort of thing that gets me so excited when I look at this. So just to refresh your listeners, if they don't remember already, your cross of incarnation, your right angle cross of the Sphinx, mm -hmm. which has like three or four versions of it, right? Um, yours is where you have the conscious sun in one, unconscious mm -hmm. earth in two, or conscious earth in two, unconscious sun in gate seven, and then the unconscious earth is 13. So we have one, two, seven, and 13. I'm going to go through each of the members of InSync as oh well. Oh my as God, I can't believe you did this. I'm so as sorry. well as the person who wrote his music. So <laughs> they didn't write their own songs. I'm no, no, yeah, but no, no. similar to disco, there's like this one guy. Actually, I'll talk about him first real quick. Andreas Carlson. He's uh -huh. from Sweden. And uh, he wrote a lot of music for a lot of pop bands of that This time. is why Justin says he says in that song, it's going to be me. He says it's going to be May. is because of the guy that wrote it was Swedish. This was is what Swedish, he said. Yeah. And he had an inflection with the me. And so Justin would do it too. And yeah. that's why it came out that way. Continue. But that's so cool. Funny. That's cool that you know that. Uh, <laughs> so... So he wrote a lot of music for bands like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and things like that. But he wrote quite a few of NSYNC's songs. He's from Sweden and your Jupiter line, that same one that goes through Italy that links you to the disco writer, Giorgio, 
that same line goes right through Sweden where Andreas is from, which is your gate five. So <laughs> there's that link right there. But I love this. So all the members of NSYNC, okay, I'm going to go through each one. JC, he's also a right angle cross of the Sphinx. He would be he's my all- second favorite. <laughs> JC has the same cross as you, but the but the the gates are rearranged. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. he has a conscious sun in seven, conscious earth in 13, mm-hmm. unconscious sun in two, conscious earth in one. Lance also a right angle cross of the sphinx weird and this is probably also yeah and this is also something where this is probably why they actually like work as a group because (laughs) they all have this like very prominent like common stuff all except for all except for like one of them (laughs) chris so actually chris and joey have the least in common with everybody else Um, yeah i know isn't that funny <laughs> and not to be a jerk or anything and not to diss InSync, but if you asked InSync fans to rate the members, I would assume that those two would be near the bottom for most people. Continue. So I, I don't I'm not trying to judge, but I mean from when I was a child, if I like if if I went back there and I asked all of my friends, like I already know the answer. So Lace and Lance and Justin, I know were like everybody's like top two favorites. Yeah, JC but... was was pretty up there too, but the blonde Lance and Justin thing was very popular. Yes, yes, I remember that too. I never got into NSYNC, but I was aware of them. So look yeah, at we I was... were we're the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was went, but see, I was into the you went more, the other way. I was into the moody singer songwriter stuff. You were more into like the Christina also Aguilera, Britney Spears. Yeah, and I also was not. I was I was raised born again Christian, and I was not allowed to listen to secular music <laughs> until oh. I was old enough. So to you were like jars it. of clay. Yeah. Yes, jars <laughs> of clay. And DC I, talk. I had that. I had that. The I news had boys too. I had yeah. all those, but that was I chose it. Like my family wasn't religious. Right. I like would hear okay. the one of their songs, and I would be like, oh, I like this beat, and then I would get get the uh, the cd order i'm like oh crap this is a i wouldn't even know it was a christian band i was right. like oh i like that song yeah and then i Jars- would get into them and i'm like i don't care i like this the song the beat yeah jars <laughs> of clay was like the most secular i could get within the genre of christian music oh wow but anyways, uh so i i wasn't really allowed to listen to pop music so i only got little bits of it like on the ride ride and on the bus to school in the morning and and friends and things like that but so as i was looking at all the charts of all the guys in this band i'm like i can actually tell i'm like oh i know which ones people didn't like just because they don't have as much in common with the other ones like you know it's so funny so so Lance is the same. He's right angle cross of the Sphinx as well. So, so, crazy. so JC and Lance are both right angle cross of the Sphinx. But Lance's is is flipped from yours, where the unconscious earth and sun are flipped. So Lance is conscious sun gate two, conscious earth gate one. one yeah. Unconscious sun 13. 13. Seven. Yeah. And unconscious earth seven. Oh, that's so neat. Justin is not right angle cross of the Sphinx, but his unconscious sun is gate one and his unconscious earth is gate two and his north and south node are seven and 13. Mm. So he has the cross of the Sphinx in his entire um, unconscious lineup, sun, earth, north node, south node. Yeah. And then, so Joey, Joey Fatone. Oh, Joey. 
he he has sat his he has gate seven and gate one uh in his uh let's see unconscious let's see both of his saturn gates so down, seven. Down yeah his <laughs> saturn gates are gate seven and his unconscious mars is gate one interesting so it's it's a different energy yeah it's like a more uncomfortable energy right <laughs> like you're gonna That's be like so okay funny. you make me uncomfortable um and also there's also a connection here where your saturn is gate 44 his gate 44 is defined in both uranus gates his unconscious sun and his unconscious mercury so it's even more uncomfortable like he's even (laughs) more of this challenging like yeah it's uncomfortable it's place for growth right but like when you're 15 you don't care about growing you like you like you just like which one do i think is hot which one (laughs) do i think is cute and that was a lot of it but it's very funny when you point out the energetics of it is also following like the general gist of the their fandom yeah like obviously justin was the clear number one he's a front man he's the best looking he's might be the best singer i don't know i honestly don't know how if well, he has the best career. Singers. He has the longest standing career uh, to yeah. date. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was the most successful. He went solo and and probably became more successful as a solo artist than he was in NSYNC because you said it's been a longevity thing. He's yeah. been around. Yeah, and so. he got into acting and others, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. And then last but not least, we have Chris Kirkpatrick. The only, oh, the only things that he had in common was his unconscious north and south node were 13 and 7 mm-hmm. so that's where like he him and joey like complete that right angle cross of the sphinx together mm-hmm. but they like you can also see that being like why like they kind of are like their own little group Whereas and when the you see three... them like interacting like when like they used to be on tv and stuff for like trl yeah. and all the things you can see that they were like the they seem like the jokey jokesters and the other three were not more serious, but just more like seemed more like polished. Yeah. And these two were kind of the <laughs> comic relief guys on the on the end. Yeah. It's very funny that you put it like that. That's so yeah. funny. I can't believe I'm so connected to NSYNC because <laughs> like that I, like I said, I'm not a music person, but like that was the only yeah. time when I felt like a weird like an insane fan that actually cared about a band or music or anything music was a different thing back then though like you had to go to sam goody and get your cds and then trl oh my god they're gonna drop the video that you haven't seen and oh i have to be there and watch it and record it so i can play it again and again and again now everything just comes at you and you don't have to look for anything or care about any sort of date when anything drops or like any of that but when we were growing up i feel like you really had to try a little bit harder yeah. to curate your music and to like be into it <laughs> yep yeah and absolutely it meant, meant more to you like you're like this means a lot mom do not table over my vhs i'm in sync right i wish i still had it that's the other thing i think i'm like why didn't i keep all this shit because i had so much stuff and it would have been so cool and i might it might have actually been worth it some money but probably not anyway that's so neat that it would make sense that the people that made the music are so 
like a part of it, like the the gate five and the mental projector stuff, because I've always thought that, like, I don't really care about lyrics or the person, the person, like when people freak out about Taylor Swift, I'm like, why do you give a shit? It's just some girl. Like who cares? Or really anybody like after NSYNC, after I became an adult, because I really also think that's like a teen, like hormony, like you said, situation that you're in. And I was like in love with them. So, but now I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand it, but I know most people would look at me and go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, why aren't you, but why don't you like stuff like this? Like, I also am not a big movie watcher. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're too long <laughs> and I lose focus <laughs> and I don't care about stuff like hobbits or what it harry potter or all those like i don't so yeah but i think that's very neat that you and i am like applauding you for going that this deep into this stuff because <laughs> finding these people's charts is not easy no and that's where like there's certain things i don't I don't go too deep into the charts. Like I'm not really looking at their PHS. I'm not looking at their Because you don't know if the time's colors. right. You just yeah. don't know. Yeah. And even like solidly saying they're this type or they're this, you know, I, what I love is genetic. I use genetic matrix and they now have the birth time range chart that you look, can look oh, at. That's great. So you can see on one page every three hours, how their chart would change. So that's where you know if there is anything that I'm like not sure about or I'm not finding I always put noon in if I'm running the chart myself but also on genetic matrix in their research section you can actually google you can look up like you're googling you can look up an artist's name I'll Mm -hmm. look there first because I think they do have people that are rectifying charts oh that's nice so yeah so they have like a precise birth time that they're working with for that chart for that artist so I look there first and then if I can't find it, like for a lot of interviews I've done with folks, they're more into more independent music where they're writing and creating the music themselves and they're maybe not um, famous enough to be in genetic matrix matrixes, you know. Do you um, contact them and be like, hey, what's your birth time? <laughs> no, I haven't yet. Uh, I've just used the birth time range and just kind of get, and that's also something we might discuss if like, if the person I'm interviewing is that into that artist and we'll, we'll talk about like, well, what do you think? Do you think they're a splenic manifester or are they an emotional generator? Like, what mm-hmm. do you think? Like just based on like how you're connecting to the music and you know, at the end of the day, we all have all of it. We all get yeah. to experience all of it. And so just through different people's like again it gets wildly anecdotal and wildly uh you know uh subjective but it's fun and at the end of the day my mo is is it fun so uh the other part of me so again like this is all like one line this is a super intense if you want to look into the mind of a one line (laughs) (laughs) listen to my podcast (laughs) but um the five line in me is like, okay, but what's the freaking point of all of this? Like I have to have, it has to be practical, right. In some way, shape or form. And I think we get conditioned that the arts and music are not practical. Right. Yeah. Um, From the over culture. But for me, it's like, as I am doing these interviews and I'm 
finding this research, it's actually a way of me being able to teach and share about these really complex systems in a way mm-hmm. that people can kind of ground it in through the music they like. So yeah. that, that's where ultimately it kind of, I can validate it for me <laughs> in well, my yeah, practical need for practicality by just being like, well, everyone listens, has heard music, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has heard music. Whether yeah. or not you care about music is another thing, but everyone knows what I'm talking about to some degree. Like mm-hmm. when I say disco, you can think of some disco songs. When we think, when you talk about in sync, you know they just came and that's out with the thing. A new song. I don't care about music, but then when you did you see like when you said the name in sync, I was like, because I was because it like brings you back, and I don't even care about that. Like people, I I was a Justin Timberlake fan a little bit after, but it was never anything like. That was like a very specific period of time that I rem- I don't remember my childhood very. I remember it in bits and pieces. And this piece is like a big, like it stands out in my mind. Like I remember making shirts for the concert. Like I remember all <laughs> like the people stuff. do for Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like with puffy glue. And yeah, exactly. I remember <laughs> it was at the Great Western Forum, which doesn't exist anymore. And I was at the very top. I could touch, touch the top. And I was basically watching them on a big screen TV because we were too far away. But I was just like, <gasps> and screaming, yes, like Taylor Swift. But this is where Taylor Swift boggles my mind is her fans are 12 to 72. Mm-hmm. Like InSync was a very, we're going after those preteen girls. Like that's what we got. Like mm-hmm. that's what we want. And that's who our fans are. She... I don't get, I don't, I don't, that, I don't, I'm using her as an example because I don't like any of her songs at, at all. And I think she's actually pretty terrible, but not as a person. I just don't like her music. Yeah. So to see like legions of people. And like I said, the age range is so wide. It's like, I just, I don't understand it. I don't mm. get it, but it's good so, for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um well i could talk about i could talk about taylor swift but i actually want to loop back around for a second so with the in sync for you like we talked about they are they are embodying your incarnation cross that's true right they are, i was like they are showing yeah. you yeah no they <laughs> are showing you all the different ways because it's your incarnation cross in all these different ways like the the sun and earth gates are all flipped in different the other so three ways and then i'm yeah way. yeah so it's it's like this crazy funhouse mirror of yourself that you were able to connect to when you are trying to figure out who you were right yeah, like when yeah. you were and then once you get past that point of evolution then the music kind of loses its attraction right because mm-hmm. you don't need that anymore to ground you into i still listen it. to their holiday album at christmas <laughs> because right, <laughs> we all need to be regrounded into who we really are around the holidays right so yeah yeah and that album is very like dancey and i was like "Ooh, i like this dancey and it reminds me of my mom because i remember like decorating my tree in my early 20s at my mom's house and listening to that album and at that time it being older and now i'm like crap yeah this is like super old yeah um but yeah i think yeah, you're totally right. It makes sense that we would connect in that way to music, but that it could also like 
go away because I'm not obviously yeah. I'm not still yeah. like crazy about them they're over they're done to me right but maybe if you were pursuing some inner child work and wanted to like you know reconnect to your 15 year old self and do some healing in a you know spiritually connected way some of that music might have that I'd have to, I'd have to make it mix in no. some Alanis because yeah in that time yeah. I was more angsty than I am now yeah I mean Alanis is a whole other like I mean we could keep going for another hour um <laughs> I can't my, my can't. energy won't do it yeah um, no I know but I, I would love to have it. you back on yeah I mean great. thanks <laughs> and I mean I'd like to be on your podcast but I don't like music so I think that would be not good for your podcast I mean well, I'll leave it up to you but I really am not a music person I can just put this we can just put this episode on as like oh. a as like a cross post yeah yeah I love those okay perfect good I don't yeah. have to like music great <laughs> no but see you, you do but it's it's different oh there was one other piece I wanted to tie in in the extra cartography real quick okay so um you had mentioned that you you don't sing you don't really play music mm-hmm. but you do do uh Sanskrit chants yeah I do chanting um during like my morning routine I do yoga meditation and I chant I just find chants um that I like I don't usually even know what they mean I'll look up what they mean but I don't remember I don't think about it like while I'm doing it the reason that I do it is because I like to hear my voice the sound and I like to make the sounds with my voice because it's not English so I like to make it's really weird it like it's almost like it focuses me or it like calms my nervous system to focus on making the sounds that are not English sounds and to hear it back and to do it like 10 times in a row. Mm-hmm. And I have like a little bowl. I do my little singing bowl with that too. But like I said, I when I first started doing it, I thought I had to like learn what everything means and like while I'm chanting, get myself in like this is what this means. This is who you're chanting to get into that place. And it was too much work. So then I was like, oh, I just like the way this sounds. And now I do it every day. Before I wouldn't do it every day because it seemed hard. And now it's easy because I'm just making sounds with my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why I like it. What's really cool is when we look at your astrocartography map, your sun ascendant line goes through Nepal and Tibet and Kathmandu and Western or Eastern India, where a lot of that stuff kind of comes from. Mm -hmm. So you're, you don't need to know what it means because it's, it's allowing you to tap into the energy of being able to shine forth your truest expression. It's that sun ascendant is connecting you to your gate one, you know, the strongest, most potent, energy in your chart so however you were led to that and however it intuitively naturally feels wants to come through you is the most important part doesn't doesn't matter for you what those words mean for someone else if 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 that line was maybe a mercury line Mm -hmm. the words might mean more might be more important what exactly what phrase you know but for me it almost feels like while i'm doing it's like the vibration yes like that i'm feeling And like you said, I don't put too much pressure on it and it's much easier for me because I'm just making noises. (laughs) Because you're just, you're just connecting in with that sun energy. Yeah. Your sun energy. 
is it connecting is. you through the through the place where that music comes from, where the, those sounds come from. So it's it creates a nice. Um, it seems like I really connect to, to where um, a, the place where music comes from, like where it's born, the place where it comes from. Yeah. Because when you say it like that, whenever I hear music like randomly, not me listening to it, but it's on TV or it's somewhere and I like it, it's usually foreign. Mm -hmm. And it's usually dramatic mm -hmm. and yeah, that's, that's sometimes how I get into some like weird random sounds and stuff that I like is it's not usually from here. It's a different sound, you know, and it's more tr not tribal, but cultural, I guess would be mm -hmm. a better word, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels like cultural like this is the music for those people this is mm -hmm. the music for that place yeah oh that's so neat i never really thought of it like that yeah maybe yeah, now so i will connect to music more because of like well, where is this coming where does this come from well we can <laughs> use it we can use it as a tool to lean into our own natural energetics so a way mm -hmm. that i intentionally use music is all when i'm typing something up because i i hate writing it yeah, takes too long I would much rather talk it, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I have a podcast and not a blog. But if I'm writing something like a newsletter or something I need to like really focus, I'll look at where's my Mercury midheaven line mm -hmm. because I want to be able to express my stuff out in the way that I'm, you know, manifesting my dharma and how am I creating and expressing and writing through the energy of Mercury. I look at where that line is and that line for me falls through uh, it goes through Kathmandu. It goes through parts of Siberia. So I'll look up folk folk music on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I'll find folk music from an area that's on my Mercury Midheaven line. And I will intentionally listen to that while I'm writing. And I find that it f does flow much easier. Where's my Mercury Midheaven? Uh, I know you have it already right there. Yep. I just got to pull <laughs> up the right chart. Let's see. When I work with my one three line friend Rebecca, and I'll ask her a question, and she, she kept looking to the left, and I'm like, "What are you looking at?" And she turned her screen, and she had like chart this, that, this, that, and I'm like, "Oh, that's what you're looking." At. <laughs> like I don't need to see that. I'm glad that you have it. <laughs> Let's see. Ooh, that's um, so funny. I think it is. It's that green one between those red ones. So it looks like it runs through like way out in eastern Russia, Siberia. Oh. It's one that it runs north and south. So some mm -hmm. of the lines on the map run north and south. Some are mm -hmm. like curved and move yeah. all over left right to left east to west yeah. so this mercury midheaven for you is a north south line so it actually runs like it goes down into i think australia it moves through all the like islands in the pacific oh, cool. there kind of south of hong kong um and it looks like it skirts really close to shanghai and then up into northern china and then siberia okay. so so yeah, so for you, I would say like folk music from those like like the Philippines mm -hmm. um, and Eastern China and uh, yeah, just like listening to like old, old, you know, music from yeah. 
from ancient China, Chinese music, and then also like um, Aboriginal music from Australia would probably also give you that same kind of focus and experiment with it and try and let me know yeah third line says okay (laughs) yeah i love experimenting yeah Yeah. that was how i pulled the astrocartography piece in was like learning about astrocartography getting a reading a long time ago and then using leaning into my astrocartography lines for specific things and i'm like what's the thing that i can always find is music i can Mm -hmm. always find music from pretty much anywhere on the globe and so that's how I lean into that. But you can also use like a picture of the place to access the energy mm-hmm. or a, a souvenir or something like you don't always have to physically go to those places or talking to someone who's from there mm-hmm. or someone who wrote the lyrics to a song mm-hmm. that's from there. You know, like this is how that that uh, that kind of additional locational astrology piece pulled in for me. And now it all kind of like mixes together in this podcast to like create these really wild <laughs> associations so cool. and validations I, I totally love it music by design coming january 12th right yeah yes. Yes. yes all right cool i'm excited um why don't you tell people where they can find you instagram yeah. and all that stuff yeah you can find me on instagram at anna with intention and I have a link tree on there that has links to if you want to book a reading with me. Uh, I also do quantum alignment healing. I'm I'm a I'm a certified practitioner with Karen Curry Parker's quantum alignment system. Um, I do subconscious reprogramming so we can uh, try to survive within toxic capitalism and patriarchy without all the conditioning of it mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> for the betterment of all. Right. And uh, yeah, Music by Design is currently on Spotify and working to get it on Apple Podcasts and a few other places as well. So stay tuned to that. And you can also find Music by Design on Patreon. You can just go subscribe so that when I start dropping things, you get those little notifications and check yay, it out. Yay. And um, if you are a person who is super gung-ho into a particular musician, artist, songwriter, composer, and or you are also a musician, songwriter yourself, I uh, would love to talk to you and have you on my podcast. So yay. Uh, you can just shoot me a DM on Instagram. Uh, and we can get a conversation going and see if you'd be a good fit. Let her know. And then you can go on and she can blow your mind with, Hey, <laughs> you know, that guy that wrote every disco song ever. Well, yeah, he's meant to protect her. Whoop. Um, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. So like I said, I think this topic is endlessly interesting and I love that you're doing this because this is how I got to really get into my love of human design was starting the podcast and talking to people. Um, and it really felt like I was just doing it for me. But then when other people were like, Hey, I'm listening. Thank you. Can I be on? Can I do this? That's where I was like, Whoa, this is actually for more than just me. So I think you're going to find the same thing as you're going to be doing it for you and learning all this new stuff and being all stoked. And then someone's going to come at you with like, thank you for this. You're going to be like, Oh, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this and is a whole new really fun. It's a whole new realm for me. So I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. It'll be great. You're gonna have so much fun. Everybody, um, go listen January 12th, but go check out Anna with intention before that. With intention, right? Did I say it right? Yeah. Yeah. Yay! Anna with intention. All right, cool. Yeah. Thank you for being on, and we'll have you on again because you have so many good insights and I would like to learn more. 
about thank myself. You, thank you so <laughs> much for having me. This has been a blast. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Chatting Human Design. Join me again soon. Have a fantastic day.